Welcome to Rainbow Soul, an explorative discussion about spirituality beyond mainstream religions. Hollis Taylor, author, psychic, astrologer, and alchemical mage, brings their non-binary perspective together with fellow drag king and trans man, LaCrosse Ortiz, a Jewish Taino with spiritual background of exploration that has led him to an atheist perspective. Join these guys as they explore deep and difficult topics, all related to spirituality, offering a queer perspective, an exploration of interesting topics, and engaging guests to help explore conversations for the rainbow soul. Hi there, everyone. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for watching Rainbow Soul. I'm Hollis Taylor, and I'm so glad you're watching the show today. It is an exciting time, of course. Happy May Day. Happy Beltane to all of you out there. The first of spring. Uh, This is a great holiday. We'll be talking about that today. So first things first is, I'm sorry, LaCrosse is not here. It's his birthday. So he's out doing something really fun, okay? So I'm glad that he's out doing, having a great time, whatever he's doing. And while he's out doing that, I thought that I would have one of my favorite people in the world to join me as a co-host. And her name is Brighthawk. And I am blessed enough to be in person with her. Yay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Happy Beltane. Great to be with you. So first, I want to tell you that I'm an author, witch, an alchemical mage, and I'm the author of this book, Divine Androgen, A Sacred Path for Gender Variant People, which is essentially a book about harvesting your most authentic self using a variety of spiritual paths, exploring on your own. And this is my partner, Brighthawk. And Brighthawk, why don't you tell them who you are? Hi there. Well, I'm a storyteller and an author of the recently published The Dancing Hippo, which is a beautiful book. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot tonight about a very special place that had a lot to do with the development of this book. So you can always find me at Brighthawk Productions. I'm a storyteller, musician, teacher, etc. And it's great to be here. Well, thanks for being with me tonight, Brighthawk. I appreciate it. Oh, we're going to have some fun. We have some great friends with us tonight. But first, I want to start... With, I have a a really cool friend, um, and their name is actually, well, I guess his name, her name is Tommy Starchild, and they're actually a sister of perpetual indulgence. Now, if you don't know what a sister of perpetual indulgence is, well, I, I'm going to suggest that you look it up. Okay. (laughs) Because the sisters are fantabulous. And so I want to put up 
Sister Calavagilistic Expialidocious <laughs> is her name. And this is her fairy Beltane blessing. On this blessed time of thinning veil, may we dance with life on this side and that. As the seed lives in underworld and over, it bridges the realm between seen and unseen. We dance the flame of the sacred well and rejoice as life renews. May the glow of the bale fire ignite the fire of your divine spirit. And may you walk in the steps of grace as life springs forth through thought, will, and deed. And that is from Tommy Starchild in 2015. So I want to thank, thank, Tommy, for giving me permission to read that today. And the reason that I read that is because that is a reflection of what Beltane is to me. Because it is an honoring of a time on the other side. And the interesting thing about Beltane for me, I think, is that it is a time to connect with community. It has always been a community event to me. I, I've mostly celebrated it in community. And so it totally made sense for me to invite a community that I knew is really special at springtime. Like they have a whole event, not just about Beltane, but it's called Rites of Spring. And they're called the Earth Spirit Community. And one of the reasons that I'm including them is because they are inclusive. I have witnessed it myself. You can go to the event and there will, when they met in person, I assure you, they always had things for LGBTQI people. All kinds of events, all kinds of things. And we'll talk about that today. So I'm hoping that you will learn about the Earth Spirit community. And the reason that Brighthawk is a perfect person to have it, this conversation with, is because she has been part of the community for 25 years. Yeah. (laughs) So Beltane, to me, is a lot about community, about coming together. And the Earth Spirit community, I feel like, has uh, a tradition going, for sure. Uh, Other folks can tell you exactly more about the history, but I'll tell you that they've been going for over 40 years. I've been part of the community for 25 years or more, I guess now. We just keep adding another year, right? And uh, what I've noticed is that there's definitely uh, traditions that we all like to have as part of our Beltane rituals, and there's always something new, and there's always a how can we do it better? How can we be even more inclusive? Were we as inclusive as we possibly could be? And definitely Rites of Spring was the first community that I was a part of way back then that I met my first trans people. I met um, all sorts of different community that expressed in all variety of ways. And what I saw was everybody got celebrated and there was room for everyone. So that's why it's really exciting to talk about Rites of Spring with the with you guys today because it's coming up and it's a really fun thing to be able to share. Well, 
the fun thing is, is that we invited two other people that are part of the Earth Spirit community. So I'm going to tell you, I, I have a special connection to um, one of these people because the first time I met them, I was pretty sure I was the only hobbit that I knew. Um, and I, I was like, I don't know any, I, I only know one person that's kind of hobbit-like and it was this kid I used to hang around with. Um, and so I'm going to bring on my friend Hobbit first. Hi, everybody. This is Hobbit. Great Welcome, Hobbit. You. Can you tell us Thank you. About, tell us a little bit about you other than that you're Hobbit. I'm Hobbit. <clears throat> okay, I'm Hobbit because I've had the nickname since high school and that was, okay, I'm not going to say. Um, and it's on my license plate, so it must be my name. Um, I am... You might see a cat walking back and forth. Um, I've been part of, boy, I've been part of the Earth Spirit community for, yeah, 20 some years, I guess, something like that. Uh, and I started in a different community uh, down in the Maryland uh, area. And uh, I, <sighs> I consider I'm a I consider myself um a queer Jewish uh pagan deadhead. You know. <laughs> Try and liven it up some. Um Beltane this time of year is 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 really powerful because it's the culmination for me, it's always been the culmination of um the winter and the introspection of the winter and what I've learned, you know, taking, taking stock, taking census of myself and what I'm doing. And then Beltane is the time when all that blossoms and I feel the, I can feel the fertility of it. And, uh, that, it's very powerful, and Rites of Spring has always been a place uh, for me to experience that that growth, what I experienced in the winter, and feed it by going there and being with community and sharing with community. Um, and I always go with no expectations. And I always leave with some major thing, you know, even if it's just one thought, even if it's one connection with somebody new in the community. Um, it's, it's a powerful, powerful event. And it's a great community. And that's me. <laughs> Welcome, Hobbit. Thanks for being Thank on you. the show today. I appreciate Thank you. That. It's an it's an honor. I'm grateful. Thank you. I want to hug my hobbits. <laughs> I had a good time when I got to introduce Hobbit, meet Hobbit, Hobbit. Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was fun. We have a great picture of that too with Morwen. <laughs> wow. Oh, We're do friends. we? Oh, I didn't know that. No, that's yeah. great. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to you later. <laughs> Now, one of the other things that I was fascinated by the Earth Spirit community that I thought, even after seeing festivals all over the country, 
that they did exceptionally well was made place for families. No matter what the family looked like, yep. does, none of that matters. All matters is if you have a child, we want to help motherhood or fatherhood or parenthood in any way, fashion that comes through for you be a little bit easier. They even had like a little daycare where you could drop your kids off. And I just was like, wow, that is the most amazing thing. I'm going to volunteer at the daycare thing. Um, so, you know, so that parents could go to a special workshop or something. And I just, I thought that was valuable. And so the next person that we have invited on the show is a mother and also um, an ally for sure. And so I want to bring Sarah Rosehill out. And she is also part of the Earth Spirit community. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I am a queer cisgender woman. My partner, Andrew, who you might see walking through here, is a uh, queer trans man. Uh, And we are also non-monogamous and... uh, so lots going on there, except it's a pandemic. Um, and I have been, this is going to be my 20th Rites of Spring. I was counting, actually, in anticipation of this. And my 19th serving on the core volunteer team. So I've been working for a long time doing, I started off doing registration data entry and have done a huge variety of things over the last 19 years, um, including ritual planning and teaching and facilitation. And now I do a lot of sort of back-end gathering organization stuff, um, of which there is a shocking amount every time. Uh, And I also serve now on the board of directors for Earth Spirit. And uh, it's really a pleasure to have my finger in in so many different pies for, for the organization. Yes, I find it, and I just, I just think it's beautiful that um, the entire community has integrated all as much inclusion as they possibly can get their hands on, and diversity. Um, and just a by the way is that Earth Spirit mostly meets in Massachusetts. Um, so if you ever, when the world is ready to function again, I'm sure that they will have festivals somewhere in Massachusetts. And so you can follow their website, you can follow the links will be um, shown. And um, anyway, so I wanna talk about, but first, first I wanna, I wanna lay it out there for people because some people don't even know what Beltane is. What's Beltane? So what is Beltane? <laughs> Why do we have a maple? What's the maple? Where did it come from? So I'm hoping we can all answer um, in different ways because I think we all have different wisdom about where it came from or how it got here. And so I'm just going to say that Beltane came from pagans long ago. Um, uh, country folk, pagan technically means country folk. So it just came from people long ago that we and have been celebrated. Beltane's been celebrated in different ways by different communities, Greeks and Romans, and, you know, and then eventually um, it kind of became Easter. But before that, it was known as May Day. 
Um, and May Day was also another name for it. And it was, I know, I know that the Beltane, the main pole, used to represent a penis and a wreath represents the vagina. And that's like the whole sexual part of it. So you're right. If you're thinking that there's some sort of sexual part of Beltane, because it was the celebration of life. Because, you know, uh, long ago, sex was really important, and sex is really important to the human race. So, um, so I do know that about it. And I know that many traditions, especially the fairies tradition, we believe that the veil drops between here and the land of the fae, the fairies. So that sort of like at Samhain, the veil thins for here and the other world. Um, the unseen, it also thins during belting. So, um, so that's what I know. And I know all of, there's lots of different traditions and lots of different, so I want to invite anyone to go ahead next well, and tell us what you know. Uh, my first uh, exposure to, and I'm sure this is true of a lot of people, I'm not the only one. First time I ever heard about the lusty month of May was Camelot. I didn't know shit about paganism or anything. I grew up Catholic, right? But Camelot, lusty month of May, and everyone's getting it on, and there's this celebration, and of course the old pagan traditions are celebrated in Camelot. And I went, oh, so when we started dancing the Maypole at Rites of Spring, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Swear to God, that was my very first exposure. <laughs> Go ahead. You, you tell your... I, I don't know. Um, hmm. I grew up, I grew up Jewish, so... Um, Around this time is Passover and then Shavuot, which is also really a, um, a holiday. It's a, it's a harvest festival. It's the first harvest. So um, I, I don't know. I think probably when I first really came into the pagan community is when I started learning about Beltane. And for me, the the um, being being a lesbian, growing up as a lesbian, and then getting being put into the this you know walking into this pagan community, um, all the emphasis was on the goddess's mother and fertility and all that. And what I realized is that it's it's a season of fertility um, in all aspects. There's, of course, you know, the physical, but there's also, it's, you know, the psyche, the, the mind, body, and spirit. So for me, what, what I realized is that it's fertility of, like I said before, you know, I, I've spent the winter being introspective and, and hibernating. Come spring... I'm blooming and all that hopefully I'm I've learned something new or I've shifted something that I might have needed to shift and so for me that's the fertility 
as opposed to, and I had to, you know, in, and I know we'll get into this, I guess, later. Within the within the pagan community, there is kind of there ha, from my from my experience, and I go back. I started in the pagan community back in uh, the late '80s, I guess, or something. I don't know. Long time ago, and but being queer was it was a novelty for other people, and. So that so the emphasis that I put on Beltane was not always accepted. And you know, you're kind of there was a time when you were kind of forced in some communities you're forced to conform to their perspective. Well, I didn't grow up conforming to anybody's perspective. And that's not how my parents taught me. So <laughs> um yeah. Uh that you have you have to take if it doesn't work for you it's a powerful time of year well make it work so you know for me like i said for me i grew up jewish and this is actually a very important time of year within judaism and so what i've been able to do is merge the two but and for me personally it really is about about where am I? Taking census of where am I in my life? Where's my body? You know, where's my head at? And now it's, you know, with the whole, you know, being in a bubble pod thing place, um, it's even harder. So you have to work harder at it. But then we have community like this. So yeah, did that help? Did that? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Hobbit. That was beautiful. Hey, Sarah, I'm sure you have some wisdom about where, where, what Beltane is. I feel so lucky that I came into paganism straight into the spirit community when I was 20 years old. Um, I know I'm the baby of this podcast, right? And I just turned 40. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in one way I had, you know, pro at least somewhat, I think of a different experience, you know, growing up queer, I certainly had the like, you know, uh, you know, I was queer in middle school when, you know, that was not, and people who I'm sure grew up to be perfectly nice liberal adults were not very cool with that because they were 13, right? Like nobody's their greatest human self when they're 13. Um, but I also have always grown up in an environment, I've lived in Massachusetts most of my life. I've grown up in an environment where I felt very safe being out at work and being, you know, I mean, if you Google me, the two things you can learn about me are that I'm queer and a witch. And so I've never tried to hide those things from anybody anywhere. Um, one of my other hats is that I'm the co-chair of Boston's Pride Interfaith Coalition. So my name is all over the internet associated with that, um, which is why it's very Googleable. So the... Um, Earth Spirit has this really beautiful set of traditions, as, as everybody's been talking about, around May and Beltane and Rites of Spring. <clears throat> ah. And I did not learn that other people did it other ways until I'd been doing it for several years. Um, you know, I did, there are communities that segregate by sex for how you participate in a Beltane ritual. I did not know this was a thing. <laughs> Um, Earth Spirit does not do this. Uh, we segregate, we, we self-select, I should say, um, by 
energetically where you're at. You know, we, we pause and all, we do maple, oh, do a huge maple ritual at Red to Spring. Red to Spring is typically 500 plus people. It's an enormous, we use a 40 foot maple. It's like, it's a whole tree. It has to live where it lives. It does not travel back and forth because it's enormous. Um, but we also do smaller <clears throat> local Bellatane celebrations. Um, and we focus in those rituals on pausing and breathing and feeling where you're at. Is your energy at an active place, right? Where you want to go forth, where you want to seek things out, where you want to take action and step forth, right? Or is it in a place where you need to pause, where you need to wait and see how things turn out, where you need to hold space and remain open to see what's becoming, right? And I think that 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 was for me how the polarity of Beltane was, you know, Beltane has this whole thing about the polar with the, the pole, the hole, right? But that was where that polarity, how that polarity was always described to me, or, you know, my first encounters with it, uh, which I think is so beautiful and powerful, especially now, um, hearing that in contrast to some of the other ways that I have heard it described since then. Uh, you know, historically, the history of pagans is a... a I'll just say it's a very contested and multifaceted thing. Um, but I will say that my tradition, so I, I practice in two traditions, one of which is Earth-based tradition, which is called Anamanta, um, and the other, which is Anderson Ferry, actually, which is Tommy Starchild's tradition. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about that, but I, it's my, my other secret life. I have many, many hats, as you're hearing about now. <laughs> um, so... Uh, the Anamanta is based on Celtic traditions. So the Celtic peoples lived in sort of what is now called the British Isles and like the Eastern part of France and sort of the Northern part of Spain um, in long, long time ago. Yeah. And their tradition is that Beltane is the beginning of summer. The what. The weather is very different over there. It's much more summery there at this time of year than it is where I live. I live in the hill towns of Western Massachusetts where we had snow until like four weeks ago. Um, and so that was traditionally celebrated as a time when the cattle were moved to the summer pastures, right? When there were um, blessings to protect the cattle, to protect crops, to protect homes, um, all of that. And that protection really plays into what, what you were talking about, Hollis, about the, the veil thinning, right? As there's this, the veil thinning, it can be a beautiful time, right? It can be a time when we uh, can closely approach the Fae and the ancestors, the spirits of our land, but it also can be a dangerous time, right? That those things are not always beings who are friendly to us. They're not always beings who want the same things that we want. Um, and that's okay, right? Not all beings, it doesn't make a being bad because they don't want what you want, right? <laughs> That's an important way of being human and also of being in the in the wide world. Um, and so, you know, there is that that sort of element of, of protection, um, you know, wound together with this closeness to the to the spirit realm. Um, we do want part of our Beltane tradition at at Rites of Spring and at Earth Spirit Maples is that we tie a black ribbon onto the maple because death is a part of life. And as it's sort of like that little like feel back to Samhain and how all of that like weaves back in together. Uh, and we've done that. I was taught by my teacher, Maura Ashley, how to tie ribbons on maples and we've done it since before she taught me to do it. <laughs> so it definitely predates that. Um, so that's, that's some of my Beltane experience. Is that helpful? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, my history is interesting, uh, kind of in like the way Hobbit is talking about because 
when I first got introduced to the maple, um, it was there was a person leading it that wanted to do the whole male female thing. Um, but I was actually quite close with a group called the Radical Fairies and uh, Eric Eldritch. Um, and Eric Eldritch mm-hmm. was like, no, no, I have a great idea on how to do this in a more queer fashion. Now, Eric Eldritch is a radical fairy. And so those mostly, I just found that my resonance was more fairy. And at the time, I was not out but I was a feminist and I was questioning uh, my gender at the time. Um, So the radical fairies became incredibly important for me um, because they helped me recognize that although the world presented in this very heterosexist, you're supposed to be a woman and be married to a man and have children and that whole thing, um, I thought I was supposed to do that, and instead, the radical fairies taught me through ritual, um, including things like the maypole, as well as their moon circles, um, they taught me that I could be me without being prosecuted for it. And so that was vital to my coming out. It gave me the permission and the uh, empowerment, I guess, and even the community to come out to, a community that would say, it's okay if you need to leave your husband, we love you. It's okay. You know, if you need to change your world, we understand. You, you could be trans, we understand. And so that's, that's really what they did. They held my hand when I felt like everyone else was turning away from me because I wasn't no longer fulfilling the expectations of being a woman and being a mother. So um, now I was changing and saying, well, I might actually be a man, even though I had a kid and I have been pretending to be a mom and a wife uh, for the last 20 years, you know? So, (laughs) um, (laughs) It was, it, you know, so it was, it was a definitely a transitionary experience, and then to um, witness another community be able to fold in uh, so well at Earth Spirit, I was moved in a way. I remember doing the maypole and being able, given the choice, in the same way that Eric you know, Eldritch has uh, introduced. And I was like, whoa, this is truly magical. This is the energy of Beltane. And to be part of all the people carrying the maple um, and then putting it into the earth was uh, very empowering in that way. So it was a great Beltane. Um, It was a good one. And I felt good, but lots of things have changed since then, like after that. But um, it changed me. So that's, it changed my body. So um, it was part of all of that. So anyway, I would just say that that's really powerful in that, like when we talk about being queer and celebrating Beltane, it can be a complicated 
it, and it was more complicated, you know, 25 years ago. It was even more complicated to celebrate Beltane and be queer. I remember being in the queer camp going, I can see why you guys are a little frustrated, you know, because it's very <laughs> heterosexist. Yeah. So, so I will say that Wicca does have a history of it, but I will say that most witches in many communities are, have already transitioned. I would say Earth Spirit is ahead of the game. Oh. I, I do think, though, it's it's still a very contested space. Like, I don't want to write that off. You know, I'm somebody who's had a very charmed experience, right, where I have, have come up as an adult in this community that has always been very queer friendly and that has been, you know, working its way through figuring out things like how do we do rites of passage for young adults first who are transgender and then who are gender nonconforming and, you know, or who identify as non-binary and how, or agender or all of those spaces. And how do we make space for that? And I think it's been a privilege to watch the community work through all of that. You know, and try to go, okay, well, this is what this person is telling us about who they are. So how do we build our ritual around that? Like, they're obviously, they're telling us the truth about who they are. So, you know, the one thing pagans are great at is writing new ritual. <clears throat> so, uh, we, you know, and, I think and, that is a strength. But I do yeah. not want to disparage it. Any, like, it is absolutely still very, very, very common to have straight gender splits in rituals, to have roles assigned by gender in rituals, to have these very narrow and unfortunate conceptions of, you know, the goddess is only a mother and the god is only a virile force and those are the only ways that we understand the sacred. And, you know, I... Even coming, I, I, you know, I started in Earth Spirit and then I went to Anderson Ferry, which is like the world's queerest tradition. Um, <clears throat> I, it, it's so like fundamentally queer um, and it's the nature of its understanding there. The, the fairy creation story is a, it's a goddess who is creative all by herself. There's no other force, right? She, she through an act of self-love, generates a rain of bright spirits and that's the universe. Um, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And, uh, you know, those things are wonderful and powerful and they're still subversive even inside the pagan space, which is in general sort of a liberal and progressive type of, of place. The, the interesting thing about, about Earth Spirit, when I, they invited me, I was working, I was involved with a different community and a different festival site. Um, where I did it, I, you know, I experienced, yeah, I experienced um, homophobia. I experienced anti-Semitism. Um, and when I met them, one of the things, I was staff at this place. And they met me and they saw what I, the work that I did. And they said, hey, Hobbit, when are you going to come to our festival? The moment from the very first, my very first day, minute, in that community at Rites of Spring, I was, I was accepted in. Um, everybody was just, I mean, it's like, it's like I was home. Because while there are, there, there definitely are people within, you know, any community that still have a little bit of a problem understanding 
where the diversity of the queer community and just the queer community in general, Earth Spirit and the 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 leaders of Earth Spirit and and they they're there with open arms and they want to understand. They want to learn, and it's not just the leaders. I am I am married to a, a trans man, and he was part of the community before he transitioned. And then he was away for a number of years. When he came back, um, and we're very open. He's very open. He's like, what do you, you know, what do you want to know? We'll tell you anything. And there were people who had questions who I would not have thought would, would like, like, can we ask? Yeah, sure. Ask. I mean, these are some of like the, you know, the real butch, like the Viking guys, you know, like, hey, you know, we're Norse, whatever. But these guys are like gentle and they're like, you know, Hobbit, can we ask about whatever? I'm like, yeah, whatever. What do you want to know? We'll tell you anything. But they reached out and they said, you know, help us, teach us. We want to learn. And that is one of the special things about the earth spirit community um and is that it it people people show up and it's not like lots of other festivals where people show up to party well yeah there's partying but there are workshops and people show up to do spiritual work and community work with each other in whatever form that needs to take so it's it really it's it's an amazing experience and from and my background i've been all my life lesbian all my life i'm married to a trans guy like how did that happen um but i my experience in the pagan community apart from earth spirit definitely had its had its problems and again, it was not just homophobic. Um, it wasn't just that people within that community were bi or whatever, um, which is fine. What do I care? But to them, it was a game. To me, it's not a game. This is this is my life. This is how I grew up. This is and this is my spiritual path. And I have spent sixty years melding that spiritual path. And if they want, for them, it's a game. No, it's not. I walk with the goddess. I walk with the God. I walk with divine spirit every moment. And the other thing was also, which was kind of back, was disappointing, was the anti-Semitism that I faced. Um, Within Earth Spirit, they're like, what do you got? Teach us. So that's one of the things that I do, um, or I have done as a workshop about um, the similarities between Judaism and earth-based traditions. And I have actually two workshops. I haven't done them in a while. I'm tweaking them. One's called Oive Who Knew, and the other one is called Turning the Wheel with Chutzpah. So, you know, but Earth Spirit said, you got this stuff here, bring it to us. 
do a workshop. But the community, I can't emphasize enough, despite challenges that the that that are faced, Earth the Earth Spirit community faces those challenges with an open heart and open arms. And they say, teach us. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. I think that's a great, uh, I want to add to that. I think what you just said is brilliant. Um, when I think about what community means to me and what healthy community means, right? Because community can mean a lot of things and it can be triggering for some people. It can be isolating for yeah. some people. And I, there's a quote that I love. That is, the greatest good you can do for another is not reveal to him your gifts, but to reveal to them their own. And I yes. love that quote because yes. that's what healthy community does. That's what a, a good teacher does. That's what a good friend does. And I know we all go back a long ways and one thing that I think has been brilliant about how the community works is honoring at the May we do the Maypole and then we stand at the pole and we we witness each other life stories births deaths graduations publications your wins your losses feeling seen like that is profound and I've I felt it. I've, I've witnessed it so many times. So I think when we talk about community, I want to stress we're talking about what healthy community looks like. And part of what, um, you know, because you and I met at the previously unnamed community that yes. <laughs> many have passed through and which, you know, all of us left for reasons that we would say it was not a healthy community. And yes. what makes me stick around for 25 years after seeing so many communities come and go was the commitment to the what you got, the commitment to we're here for each other. We want to celebrate the best of each, in each other. Um, the um, so profoundly moving to see the rites of passage for the young people. Oh. And as a storyteller, yeah. I've, I've been doing the storytelling program at Rites of Spring, Magic Sunset Storytime. So picture yourself at a, there's a outside fire circle space with benches. All the kids are around. There's a fire going. I'm playing music. The sun is just set. And on we go. We an hour of storytelling and music. And I literally have the privilege of getting to see everyone become a little kid in front of me, which is why I've always said my shows are for children of all ages. I get to watch the 70-year-old become six. And, <laughs> you know, it's a great thing. 25 years, I'm on my third generation of kids, right? And uh, each group has taught me over and over about being a storyteller. And so... I guess uh, five or six years ago, I started paying attention to, you know what? 
Every child should be able to see themselves in every character in my stories. What if I made all of the characters gender neutral to, to the extent that it was possible? And kids loved that. And the feedback that I got and the response was amazing. And in fact, it is what led to The Dancing Hippo being a completely gender neutral book. That why does why do things have to be gendered when you're five years old and you're talking about African animals? Why can't it just be an animal? And making it a gender neutral environment felt like it made it safer for everyone. And in fact, it did. I noticed that as the kids age, they still keep coming. So the twenty somethings are still hanging out, and the teens are now looking after the little ones. And you know, to me, that's healthy community when you have kids that are teaching kids and and everyone taking care of each other and i i feel like part of our human experience is needing a sense of belonging and there's a difference between being accepted and having to change yourself so that you can fit in and I believe that Rites of Spring has really tried to do their level best. No, but no community is perfect, but they really try to do their best to make it possible for everyone to find a way to plug in and find a way for them to feel like, yeah, I, I, I'm home. This, yeah. this works. I, I feel seen, you know? And, you know, how, how do you do that for each other? That's a beautiful thing. I feel like, wow, you guys have figured some stuff out. So that to me has been huge. The, uh, yeah. And I agree with you. It's, it's, it's about tending to all the generations from the very young to the very old and having a place for everyone at the table, seen or unseen. <laughs> yeah. I think I, the, one of my favorite things that's happened with Rights of Spring in the last few years before... Uh, this COVID thing um, was the drag show, um, and for me, it's great because then you're bringing in a whole different set of queers. Um, you know, I I love drag since the moment I tried it, and apparently, I was a drag king when I was eight because I tried to do Stevie Wonder for my mom, um, and so <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I've always been a little bit of a performer anyway. And, you know, to be able to bring that form of magic even to the community was a lot of fun. And to see other people's um, drag personas, because it's always drag is such a reflection of who we are. And as as a queer, it's, 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 it's so, like, it's like a, a huge piece of the queer community because it's like the queer art. It is the art that is queer um, in itself, like in its manifestation. And it has been with the GLBTQ community even in Stonewall. If it wasn't for a drag queen, Stonewall would have never happened. So we would have never got our rights. Yeah. And they even, I mean, my father, during World War II, my father has stories about about drag shows. Um, that the, oh yeah, that the, they would dress up and they would, and, and he said, yeah, some of these guys were gay. 
he was cool. You know, he's all right with that. But yeah, it goes back. That tradition goes way back. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's a huge part of the JLBTQ community. So to have Earth Spirit say, oh yeah, we can have a drag show too. And for that was so much fun. We had a dance party. We had a total queer. We turned to the little cabin into a queer club. I mean, it really was. I felt like I was in a in a you know gay nightclub after a drag show. So, um, <laughs> and it's so much fun to be able to even have allies come into that space. People that have never really explored that space. And then even, like, holding in the community where it felt like everyone was, everyone could be part of it. Um, And that that feels really good to me. I like it when as many people are included as possible because then that helps me feel like it's fair. Um, So, (laughs) and I guess being a queer non-binary person, that's one of my things. And coming from the same community that you guys went into, you know, 10 years prior than I did, um, I came right behind you, did the same mistake, <laughs> and going, okay, it's, that's not good. We can't be doing things like that. And instead, years later, getting into more of the Earth Spirit community, I started going, oh, okay, so it is possible it is possible. Okay, well, good. That's a relief. Um, and, you know, and then just trying to fold myself into it. But I think that the one of the most impressive things that was for me at the Right to Spring was not only um, could some transgender, transgender people were totally in the, um, in the coming of age uh, thing that is done, that if a person is gender variant of any kind, they they kind of try to help the young person experience that. And that's a really important thing for me. And I think you were talking about that, Sarah. You probably know even more than I do. But I do know that they get to sort of design their own coming of age thing, which I kind of am like, I might want to do that. Right? It's one of those beautiful things that a lot of us, I think, yeah. can really feel missing out on, you know, is a, uh, and I, I will say Earth Spirits, the, the I'm not going to talk in detail, any detail about the ritual because it is important that that is a mystery for people who are going to go through it and haven't done it yet. Uh, but uh, the ritual did not, uh, its origins were not gender neutral, right? And so it was a process of evolution and adaptation you know, and thinking about, you know, there are people for whom it's very powerful to think about, I'm a girl becoming a woman, like that is a valid and powerful experience to have. And there are people for whom that is complete nonsense. And that's not who they are going to be, right. And that's not who they are now. And finding ways to hold and honor the truth of who they are, and the, uh, you know, the, the facets of that, um, through a ritual, I think is, is so important. You know, I think a lot of what I love about what you said, Brett Hawk, about when you, you know, making the stories gender neutral is it, it, the magic of that is that it sort of, uh, 
it reduces friction, right? There's this like discomfort when you see something and you're like, that's not me, right? I mean, I am a queer identified human who also is partnered to a person who to the social world looks like a guy and uh, we have children together and I was the one who was pregnant in our relationship. <laughs> and like in many ways I pass and I find that very uncomfortable, right? I mean, Andrew and I are both incredibly queer identified. We have been for both of us for decades, right? And so it's this whole like, oh, wait, you think I'm a straight lady, <laughs> Right? Like, oh, we have to have a talk, friends. Like, I, we wear so much rainbow to be like, no, no, we're not that. Like, I'm like, do I need an undercut? <laughs> like, how do we flag this effectively? Right? And that's but, that's a whole nother subject. Whole nother subject, right? Is like, like being a les being a lesbian. Are. Yeah, being a lesbian and then like falling in love with this. What? Friend, I feel what? you. We need to have like, bourbon about this sometime. But yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we digress. Yeah, but I think, but I think that experience of like, like, there's this friction of of not seeing yourself in something, right? And finding way, and it's oh, so yeah. this ritual is so powerful, and it's such a powerful way that we put ourselves in, forward in relationship with like the earth and with spirit and with community and with the unseen world. It's really important that you not experience that. Right, that there not be energy being diverted to like, this isn't where I am, like that friction, right? And to find a way to make a ritual like, let, you know, like a maple that is affirming of everybody, or like a rite of passage that is affirming of everybody, where you can have that experience without having your energy diverted into trying to like figure out how your peg and the shape of the ritual are gonna like, yeah, yeah, well put. I agree. And it totally reminds me of how uncomfortable Catholic Church used to be at a certain point where you just, you were constantly having to dismiss things so you wouldn't be triggered, right? At least for me. <clears throat> and I get what you're saying. And I think that's part of why we took the time to talk about this was I pass as one of those people. I, I understand the uncomfortable when you're with somebody who doesn't pass and I, when we were on tour for five years, you know, we, we would be in a state and Hollis would walk in ahead of me and up into a, a convenience store or gas station thing while we're, you know, gassing up while we're on the road. And certain states, we started to pay attention and like, okay, Hollis, let me go in first and see what the situation is. Just make sure it's safe for you because that's a legitimate concern in places like Wyoming. <laughs> that we have to think about it at all is a big deal. And um, having safe places and feeling uh, finding places where you f have your own sense of, I can be me. I yeah. can be me and it's okay. I can be celebrated. I can celebrate with others. I don't, I'm not, I don't have to prescribe to anything. No one's trying to change me or, or make me be something I'm not. Those are really important values for me. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a Sag, right? So you don't corner me, right? I have to have that sense of freedom or otherwise I can't fly. And I feel like what you were saying earlier, uh, Hobbit, was definitely you could relate with is, you know, I feel like Rites of Spring has been like, go, go, yes, fly, 
fly, fly, <laughs> and sure enough, you know, and I'll take everyone with me because why not? <laughs> That's what it's all about, right? Celebrating together, the updraft yeah. we have when we're together. And I think I have so much respect for the solitary practitioner, the solitary witch, the person who really works their craft. Because I, I, I just, I, again, as a social being, I, ritual to me is about coming together. And I get doing solitary ritual. I respect it a lot. But I'm so grateful to have places where I feel like the amplification of whatever it is that you're praying for, that you're, you know, my prayer is, my intention is always, you know, may I be of service for the greatest good of all, right? So, you know, whatever intention you're holding, and certainly spring is that time when we are planting, planting our seeds, planting our intentions, making our plans, you know, seeing what's coming forth. And I totally agree with you, you know, times have changed and we're all in different parts of the world. We're going to get more snow tomorrow. So (laughs) I'm like, wow, first harvest with the Jewish holiday? I, I... I still can't get the starters to get going, you know? (laughs) You know, it's interesting when we have traditions and we're slightly out of sync with the actual, you know, earth in balance, right? Earth doing exactly what it needs to be doing. Anyway. (laughs) Well, we're going to take a little commercial break and uh, we'll come right back. And when we come back, we will... I'm hoping that we could talk a little bit more about what the LGBTQ community does at Earth Spirit specifically. We do the, um, yeah. and I'm trying to remember the name of the group. The Affinity Group. Queering the Circle. Yeah, Queering the Circle. Queering the Circle. And so we'll be talking about Queering the Circle and other rituals and other ways that (laughs) the LGBTQ community plug in at Rights of Spirit. time of growth, a time of celebration, a time of re-emergence. We gather for our 43rd year to celebrate the sacred earth and the turning of the seasons. This Rites of Spring will be held online from May 26th through the 31st and will feature over 50 workshops, dozens of rituals, musical performances, and many opportunities to connect and share with others. Virtual gatherings offer a unique opportunity for featured presenters to attend from all over the world. We're excited to announce that we'll have programs from Starhawk, Inya Trincuniene, Dolores Ashcroft Nowicki, Byron Ballard, and Andres Corbin Arthen, as well as many other notable Earth Spirit community members. This past year has been difficult for everyone, but our community quickly moved events online and helped us stay connected. Since last March, we've offered three multi-day online gatherings and over 20 additional virtual events. Throughout the year, our attendees have found that our rituals have helped them connect to their land at home, 
the ritual process that Earth Spirit put together connected me to the place where I live far more in a couple of hours than I had been connected in the previous four years. Paganism is connecting with the land where you are, and where I am as a city, and connecting with the land here is really interesting and rich. Being online has allowed people from all over the world to attend events. People aren't always able to come from distance or, or health issues or family or work issues, time, money, and I've enjoyed this growing community. Newcomers have been able to feel the depth of our rituals, even in a virtual setting. Twilight this year, my first Twilight being online, I'm still having insights from that even months and months later. People got real FaceTime. If they just came to Rites of Spring in person, they may have just been lost in the crowd. We found ways to use online tools to help us connect in real and meaningful community interactions. Each and every event that our spirit has pulled together has been, how do we do it with these tools and these technologies? And how do we make people have the closest possible experience to if we were together through these tools and these technologies? And also, how can we get more out of it? And though it can't be a replacement for being together in person, it has helped fill the void that many are feeling. Yes, there's a few things missing the personal contact you get when you're sitting next to somebody and sharing that space, but it was the closest thing we could absolutely come to. It felt like I was there with everyone, and that meant a lot. Register and join us for what promises to be an inspirational and joyful rites of spring. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the video from Earth Spirit. I was happy to play that. I'll play it again at the end in case you missed part of it. And I want to say if you have any questions for anyone about Beltane or anything like that, please let us know. Now, this is the queer perspective. Um, all of us are queer in some way. Um, so that's the whole idea. And... Uh, we're going to continue to talk about Beltane. And one of the things um, that, you know, that Beltane does is the maypole. We talked about the maypole. And the other thing that I was thinking about was the, the fire. Um, the jumping over the fire. And I don't know if you've heard any of those kinds of traditions. But we'll, I'm hoping that we can chat a little bit about that. So I want to welcome back our guest. My co-host today is Brighthawk, and she's been part of the Earth Spirit community. Thanks for being with us, Brighthawk. And I'm going to bring back Hobbit, a good friend from the Earth Spirit community. And here's our friend Sarah, beautiful queer person from Massachusetts and the Earth Spirit community. So um, I was just thinking during the break that we can't ignore the fire. Like, there's so many beautiful things about Beltane and the fire. Uh, for me, I burn my Yule log. Like, traditionally, I started doing tradition with my son. Um, and so I would do a Yule log where he got to make a wish. And then at Beltane, we would burn it, usually on a camping trip. Um, in nature. So that was like a way of 
bringing forth the winter wishes to sort of come true in Beltane. And um, <laughs> we did do the jump over the fire thing. Um, but that it's not always recommended at festivals because I've seen the turnout <laughs> not good. And so we don't know, if, but the fire is still a big part of uh, Beltane. And I'm sure um, all of us have a story or um, an experience around the fire. I know that for me uh, to be able to burn my log is like really, it's, it's magical for me to put that log on the fire and feel my wishes go, get transformed by the, by the magic of the fire. And when you've been sitting on something all winter long, it's easy to really put all of your energy into a Yule log if you center it in your space, if you're, if, if you're able to do that. But um, I find that really magical, and that's, like, my favorite part of the fire. Okay, so I got to jump in here because I got to say the fire at Rites of Spring. Okay, so for those of you who have never been, Picture yourself at a big, beautiful lake in New England. And we have gathered on one side of the lake where everyone is coming together for an opening circle, an opening ritual, where we can literally are coming from all the directions, acknowledging all the directions, acknowledging that everyone has come from somewhere. And that is the beginning of the lighting of the fires of rites of spring. And... Um, we do everything from, I've seen small fires that get jumped. We do fire spinning. I, I did that one year. And, of course, there's plenty of drumming, which, yo, that's part of my job, too. So if you can imagine beautiful fires on the beach, everybody down by the beach, and then they light torches, and hundreds of people process through the woods, through under the moon, howling as they go all the way around the lake. It's a good, does anybody know how long that is? What, a good mile and a half, maybe? It's, yeah, it's roughly a mile. I should know. It's about a mile and a half. Yeah. You've driven it so many times, right? <laughs> and dancing I'm and the driver. singing and torch fire. And it's unbelievable. The first time you ever do it, that procession is unbelievable because you don't know what's going on you're in the dark you're in the woods you're just following a bunch of people the song isn't very hard so you're singing your heart out you know and then you arrive you and then you cut you take a turn in the woods and you go down this little tiny path that leads you down a little narrow like like a bottle like a like a bottle leg and then it opens up into this beautiful fire circle space that has been lovingly prepared. And everyone fills the circle in a, in a matter of seconds and minutes, I suppose, really. And it's the most profound thing of everyone singing together, the fire's going, the dancing's happening, people are sweating, they're laughing, they're crying, they're testifying, they're, you know, bringing it. And wow. It forever changed me. I'd never experienced anything like it. I became completely obsessed, immersed, <laughs> uh, taken, and um, 
as far as I'm concerned, when I think about what is my magical work, that is my work. That is my job. That is my, I'm here to do the work for the greatest good of all. Put me to work, spirit. I'm here for you, you know? And that feeling in community with all of us being in that spirit of we're here to serve and, and celebrate together. Yeah. There is something about dancing all night. Yeah, so I'm a big fan. And part of what I thought was profound was, you know, when we first started doing this 25 years ago, there were certain people with us who liked to go all night long. And we would go all night long until the sun was rising. And there's a lot going on at Rites of Spring. There's a lot of different rituals, workshops, and like you said, people are there to do their spiritual work. It's not about a party scene. And people like me, that's where I do my spiritual work is at the fire, for sure. So there was definitely a different times, different emphasis. And for many years, we did it a certain way. And then there started to not be enough energy to hold it in the same way that it had been held. And so it was like, okay. How do we want to? Uh, how do we want to handle this now? And so, I was always impressed with this is a living tradition. Let's pay attention to what the community needs are. And so, there started to be a change in how the what the schedule was. Instead of it being every single night, because there were so many things going on, making it a really special night. Every other night, whatever needs to work its way out but that fire that community praying together dancing together sweating together oh there is an alchemical process that's the word i'm looking for there is an alchemical yes. process <laughs> and it can be trusted and it is reliable and it will never look the same way twice and what i like to say about that is you can be as significant or insignificant as you need to be it is there for you. Whatever it is that you need to work on, the fire will hold it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Preaching. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that some people um, don't quite get the complete understanding of spiritual work and like why are witches witches like I know for me when I was just think back to being like 20 um, now Sarah I know you had a different experience but when I was 20 I had no idea what a witch was I had no idea about witchcraft or Wicca or paganism or any of that, especially I've been raised Catholic. So that stuff was like wrong or whatever. And so I just kind of stumbled upon it and was attracted to it. And there was something about, there was, I, I went into this little witch shop on the eastern shore of Maryland, um, which is a very, like, sort of 
rural, we'll call it rural area, okay? Eventually the store had to leave because the neighbors didn't like them. It's a very conservative part of yeah, I'm from Maryland. Conservative. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so anyway, I go into this shop and there's this older woman running the shop and she seemed magical and powerful in a way. Um, and she was, she had a vibration that seemed to call me in as a witch, you know, like it was almost like, whoa, I knew, like, this person has something that I need to learn from, you know, and she had magic for me and she definitely did. Um, and I think that this is happening now to some people, especially in their twenties and people that are going through their Saturn returns right now. Um, it's moving into Aquarius and there's a huge astrological dance in Aquarius right now that is awakening people. And if they didn't know before, they know now that they're being called to the path of uh, Wicca, witchcraft, paganism, to earth, to what I would call earth-based spirituality. Earth-based spirituality meaning how we are connected to how we are connected to the earth. And um, I think that that's happening right now. And thank goodness, I think it needs to happen. Because if more of us were connected to the earth, maybe we would respect it more. And right now, most people agree that we're having a climate crisis because we've abused the earth. Most people agree with those facts. Um, And so right now... There's a huge group of humans that are going through an astrological transformation called the Saturn Returns. And uh, it usually happens between 27 and 30, and they're all Saturn and Aquarius. And I'm aware of those people because my son is one of them. But I noticed that they... (laughs) Second Saturn Return is 56 to 59. Right. (laughs) And during a Saturn return, you are awakened to something. On my Saturn return, I I stepped into that woman I just described to you, that mm. witch woman. She started to teach me all kinds of beautiful things and said, I don't know about that community, my dear. But I went to anyway and she said, it's okay, we still love you. <laughs> and she always, she always loved me and she had a, she taught me all about um, exorcism and clearing spirits from houses and Reiki and um, all of those things, that's part of my Saturn returns. So um, I would say that it's usually a magical time and that's what's happening to a lot of people right now. And I notice in Facebook groups and things like that, young people asking really valid questions like, what do you mean by spiritual work? What are you talking about? Because remember when you were 20, you didn't know what what they were talking about. Maybe, Sarah, you even did have this experience where people were talking about that. And you're like, what are you talking about? Right? So I just want to answer that question in my perspective. And you guys can take a moment to do that. It's, it's when you find a piece of yourself that you're like, why do I keep doing that? 
you know, where you deny a piece of who you are or where you don't follow your path quite as clearly as you could or you don't take care of yourself or whatever the little, you know, when you work on self-care and things like that, that's that's what most witches are doing in their ritual. Just the, by the way, most of us, that's what we're doing. We're doing some sort of magic to better ourselves, to better our life, to make our, to help shift our perspective so that we can live a more positive tomorrow. That's what most of us are doing, regardless of if you're queer or not. <laughs> what say you? <laughs> So I go ahead, Sarah. I'll give that a try. I think for me, I was watching Hobbit to see she looked like she was thinking deep thoughts, but we'll hear them in a minute. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I would differentiate for for my experience between pagans and witches. Uh, this is not everybody's experience, but I would say certainly there are, you know, two kind of worlds within the earth centered traditions. I would say, for me, I use the word pagan a lot to describe communities, to describe community-based practice, to describe celebratory aspects, um, you know, seasonal rituals, all of those sorts of things. And I use the word witchcraft when I'm talking about practices that alter my consciousness, you know, practices that part of the sort of fundamental magic of Anamanta, we say, is about... Uh, loosening or changing your shape, you know, making space for, for transformation. Um, and those kinds of sort of more, sometimes they're called esoteric practices, things like that. Um, oh, hi. My one month old is my tiny supervisor uh, today and every day since he has been born uh, because he cannot be more than, you know, three feet from my body at any moment. Um, so, you know, for me, a lot of the power of paganism is, you know, things we've talked about here about connect, you know, I think earth spirit community, those three words are not, I think, accidents, you know, that we have this connection to earth, to spirit and to each other. Right. And that those are all for me, tremendously powerful things that have this huge ability, I think, to heal the world, you know, when we are able to connect with each other, just like you were saying, Hollis, uh, to connect with ourselves first, more fully, more completely to see all of who we are. Right. And to honor that and to make space for, you know, the parts of us that are maybe not pretty. You know, I think that's one of the great strengths of paganism is that it's not all, you know, sunshine, that there's shadows and that's okay. Um, Then we're able to connect more authentically and completely with each other and with the earth. And I think that those are things, those, the failure of those connections is a lot of what underlies what doesn't work in our world. Um, And I think that those are all very powerful things. for me, the reasons to be a witch are different reasons. Um, I think one of my teachers, Andres Corbin Arthen, who's one of the, who's the spiritual director of Earth Spirit, says one of the reasons to be a witch is to die a powerful death, and that has always been something that really resonated for me. Um, you know, it, it, fairy uses some different terminology around it, but I think that there are, uh, you know, what what a in, in Castaneda, these are called witchcraft rationales, and they're not, you know, they're, they're a completely different uh, kettle of fish, as it were. Uh, 
And I think both of those practices for, you know, for me, I'm, I would say I'm both, I'm a pagan and a witch and both those practices are, are really powerful. I think the spiritual work of paganism is connection. And I think that you know, a huge part of my work is bringing, you know, giving myself, but also helping other people have the opportunity for connection, making that space. I think part of why you never know what people are talking about in your twenties, in their twenties, when they talk about spiritual work is because you are still, you know, in your twenties, there's no way around having to do that work with yourself first, you know? And so you can't really, you know, I, I think you have to sort of get through that Saturn return before you're ready to think about it in a bigger perspective. And then you're like, Oh, okay. It, it, it's the same thing I've been doing all along with like a little twist, you know, and you can, you can really feel that. And you know, when you're 22, like you just can't be there. And that that's just part of being 22 and it's okay. Um, I think, uh, Spiritual work for in terms of witchcraft, I think, is a very personal thing. And I would say mine is still in in a deep sense about creating opportunities for connection and connecting things and people to each other and to the world. So that's that's my two cents on that. I want to hear Hobbit's deep thoughts. Um. Boy, that's a lot. Uh, I, I'm th- I was thinking about while well, everybody was talking, my path, and I started. <clears throat> um, I grew up Jewish, but around the time I was around thirteen, I discovered Taoism. And at the time, Judaism was being taught to me in such a way that. I couldn't connect. I didn't, it didn't resonate. Um, and from, and so I started, I went deep into Taoism and then eventually I discovered this was after my, my, it was in my early twenties when I discovered the goddess and then it morphed Taoism kind of like, Oh, there's this and Oh wait, but there's, there's, Oh, there's a goddess and there's, Oh, um, and there's a God and, I mean, I could never be a Dianic witch because um, I, because I'm very focused on the balance. Like we have a, you know, there's a there's a um, male energy and female energy in me. Um, eventually, I mean, I've got like, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't want to go through too long, but I started Jewish. I it didn't resonate. I discovered Taoism. I discovered. Um, uh, earth-centered, what I call now earth, earth-based earth traditions, um, Wicca, witchcraft, pagan, uh, sh- uh, shamanism. Um, and then one of the things that I've learned for me is that it's it's been a journey coming home because Judaism is actually a very earth-based centered tradition. Um, and I'm not going to go into details, but it is. You want to know more? Ask me. Um, and so I have taken this, you know, I'm, I'm a Jewish, earth-based, pagan, whatever. You know, and at some point in my, at some point in my life, I kind of don't want to, I kind of like, I'm not a soup can. You know, I don't want to label myself, but I do. Because that's, you know, that's part of what 
we do here in society, whatever. But my goal, my goal is to be able to hold a mirror, not just for myself, because, because like I said, I try really hard to walk with the divine, with every step, with every breath. I mean, it sounds hokey, but I really do. And I fail sometimes. I fail a lot. But I'm always striving to go back, you know, to get back to that point. But I'm also trying to hold a mirror to people that I meet and reflect back to them the divine within them. Um, and again, I'm going to bring it back around sort of to the Earth spirit community. The, the, they're open for that. They want, you know, there's a place for that there. And as I said before, in some other places, there was no, I had to, you know, I was at, being asked to conform. I don't want to conform. I, I need to, what resonates with me. And when I was 20, I, I don't really remember much. <laughs> uh, but I do remember, you know, that I was very focused on walking in a, in a way in a Taoist path. Um, and then eventually I discovered the earth-based pagan uh, community. Did that answer it? Was that like way too much tangent? I love your stories. I, I don't <laughs> care. I just think you're great. So there you go. <laughs> I My path to spirituality, I have to say, really began with a almost life-ending heart. And, uh, you know, one of those big stop moments in your life where all of a sudden you're reevaluating and going, whoa, okay, I made it through that. Now, what is my life really all supposed to be about? And I was about, um, I think I was 20 at the time. And I remember going to the Catholic church and hanging out, trying to sit and find some peace. Find, look, I was looking. I definitely hit the where life had given me the proverbial two-by-four, and now I was a spiritual seeker looking for some answers. And what I had been brought up with, kind of like what you were saying, uh, Lee, you know, what you were brought up with, it just wasn't working for me. It wasn't giving me what I needed. And uh, I started thinking a great deal about personal responsibility. Ooh. Probably because I had just had this accident. And... Um, that led me to a spiritual path of finding other like-minded folks. And you just helped me realize that my path into paganism um, happened exactly at my first Saturn return when I moved to Massachusetts. Of course, you're going to find out about pagan and witchcraft lifestyles when you move to Massachusetts, especially from Southern California, right? <laughs> want to know <laughs> um and i would definitely say that you know life has different moments where you get tested and you get there's a reevaluation moments you know and i've definitely we've all had them whether it's a car accident or surviving cancer or fill in the blank what's your story you know 
those are the moments where I think that's when we go deep, when we're looking for tools and we're looking for anyone else been through this? Anyone else have a, anyone else just feel my pain for a minute? Friendships, community, um, ways of getting through moments, and more importantly, ways of doing, having a magical life. I loved what you said, Sarah, earlier about, you know, understanding witchcraft and, and being able to have a powerful death. I mean, that's, that's pretty profound. I could just hear Audra saying it, you know, and, uh, that's why I think it's, you know, using all the tools we have available to us, whether it's astrology or tarot, finding communities where we belong, queer friendly spaces like this station. Um, you know, all of it, it adds up. It means a lot. And I always think, gosh, I wish I had known some of this when I was 20. But you you learn when you're supposed to, right? And I do believe in the philosophy of there are no mistakes. Everything is an opportunity to learn from it. And um, I'm grateful that we've been on the, on the road together for so long, on the journey for so many decades together. I, 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 I'm still kind of stunned that I met you when you were 20. I'm like, really? Yeah, that's all you were? <laughs> You're timeless in my book. So <laughs> I always, you know, you always know when you feel like you've connected with tribe, when you've felt you that connection with your other fellow rainbow souls, when, you know, there's that sense of, ah, okay, I might be meeting you for the first time in this lifetime, but so glad we reconnected because I definitely feel like as souls, we, many of us have danced together many times. So. That's a beautiful part of this journey we're on together. Well, I want to say um, that there's people. I want to say hi to a couple people right now who are chatting in the room. Cool. Sandy Griffin. I just want to say hello back to you, Sandy. Um, glad you're here. Uh, Sandy's usually tunes into the show. And hi, Dallas. We appreciate you watching the show today. And a shout out to Ted. He's part of our WLFE family and is part of what makes um, this community work. And so I just want to say a shout out to all of those wonderful, fabulous people. And if you have any questions or any uh, just, you know, um, things that you want to hear us talk about, just let us know. Uh, we're we're going to finish up here in just a little bit. I did want to talk about the affinity groups. Oh, I did yeah. bring it up before the break. So I just want to let you know what affinity groups are because I thought that it was ingenious part of the community because I felt like um, it gave everybody an opportunity to plug in no matter what. So what the affinity group is, I think I have it right, is that like after a like the middle of the day meal, um, everybody would kind of come together depending on what community you wanted to be part of that year or even that meal, I suppose. Um, and it could be, it could be about, um, all kinds of things, but of course, one of them was LGBTQIA, um, community. And of course, I was like, oh my God, fabulous. There's got to be fabulous people in there. 
Because I, I feel like I have to tap into queers to feel connected. Um, and that's just my experience. I feel better when I'm surrounded by people that are queer, or at least I can trust that they're allies. But there's also other affinity groups, too. I think there's parents or something like that, and uh, people over 50 or something like that. And I think even uh, a, so- a sober group, um, uh, like people that are in 12-step programs. And I think that that's fabulous. I'm sure there's more you guys could add what they are. But I thought that being able, like going to an event that you don't know that many people um, can be hard and it can be kind of awkward and um, I don't know, it can just, it can, it can, you know, social anxiety for LGBTQ people is real. Um, and that can be even make the anxiety even more. And so I just thought that it was a great way to bring us together and to know that you were in safe space, just to know, to see that available right away, then you already know you're in safe space and that helps. And I think that the affinity groups, even if you didn't want to stay part, like you decided you uh did enough lgbtq stuff but now you wanted to go hang out with the people you know over 50 or whatever you could and i thought that that was i don't know i just thought it was beautiful so i just wanted to bring that up and essentially it is a group that i think it's we meet like three times during the event um and i don't know if they're doing that in the live event but um or in the virtual event we are we are Okay, great. So you guys can tell us about it. So the the virtual event is we're actually doing sort of the same thing. It's coming right after lunch, I think, in the schedule. And uh, groups are meeting there. We do do facilitated affinity groups, which I think is actually part of the strength of how it works. Is that the, you know there's there's somebody with a plan. Um, and for years, Hobbit was part of the founding team facilitating Queering the Circle, uh, which I, you know, it was a phenomenal amount of work. I have many jobs at Right to Spring, and I always work really hard to poke my head in there, at least, and be like, hello, I work with the Right to Spring staff, and I'm super queer, and you should come to me if I can help you with the thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they, you know, Hobbit and uh, Jariel in the early days and other folks since then have really done the heavy lifting on on the front of, of figuring out what to approach and of bringing such amazing content in terms of like ha- understanding, you know, que- thinking about queer spirituality and thinking about paganism from a queer perspective um, and really bringing that to a group of people that one of the things I love about that affinity group is that we've had a ton of young people participating. Wow. And although I had like, you know, this charmed experience I've been talking about, I I think it's so phenomenal that they have access to this queer specific space where they can, you know, really uh, this opportunity to learn from these people who have been queer and out and pagan for 30, 40, 50 years. And uh, that's such a huge gift that folks are giving to the community. Well, and and it started... um when we first when we first held it did the first the first year i think we had like eight ten maybe twelve people like it was like this little group of people and 
the following year, was it the following year they set us up in the, in that, what's that building behind the, behind, um, it was that little building right along the lake that's like this big, you know, yeah. it was like a shed. And we're like, and we had like 20 people. I mean, it's just grown and grown and it's um, very gratifying and I'm very hum kind of humbled that, that we've had such this positive response and that there are people in the community who it obviously, who obviously need this, who it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a safe place to explore, to learn, um, and to be at home, you know, and it's like, oh, uh, what? You mean I'm accepted? You know, the, um, and, and it really has, I mean, it's huge. It's, it's, we've got, but I think the last time we all got together, there were, must've been like 30, 40 people. Um, so it's an honor to have been part of the beginning process of that. And to one of the things that's interesting for me, being an old lady, is that I'm learning about the queer community. I've learned about gender fluidity. Is that the right word? Yeah. I've learned things that, I mean, I, you know, I, living in, I used to go to the bars in D.C. when I was, you know, early 20s. And, you know, that's where I met my first transgender person, um, my first drag people, you know, whatever. Um, but there's terminology and there's this, you know, the binary thing and all that. I didn't know any of this. So attending the affinity group, everybody that attends it has taught me and I still don't understand half of it, but I'm like, oh, okay, huh. Um, so it's so it's it's a give and take, and we're all like, sh you know, sharing our experiences. And I just sit back and I'm like, what? Like, what's that? You know, I have to go into a dictionary. What is that? What's that word? Um, but it's it's been a real um, it's been an honor and. And when we were that that year, when they put us in that little, it was the boathouse, not the boathouse, back behind uh, Sarah no, Cooper. It's oh, oh, it's the really pump station. It's the pump station, yeah. and it's the literally like the size of a closet. And I went to the, I went to the, you know, producers, whatever. I went to the folks, and I said, uh, "We need a bigger space," and they. Bang, they found us a bigger space, which was great because we could not all fit into this. We'd be sitting on top of each other, which, you know, that'd be okay. But yeah, it, so the so the community responded. Um, the allies responded. You know, what else can you, you know, call it? Yeah. Can I tell so, a great story about the affinity group? Please. So one of the things I vividly remember from one of the, what's one of the first two years of it, but you probably remember this too. There, so 
one of the other affinity groups called Brotherhood of the Stag and Wolf, and it is an amazing group exploring masculinity. Uh, and uh, as somebody who is raising sons, I am very grateful for its existence in the world uh, because I, I, they are really committed to a non-toxic understanding of what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some, like, they do phenomenal they do bystander things, and, and they're really phenomenal humans. Uh, and there v- was a case came up where somebody who was very newly out as transgender was interested in attending. This person had a very fluid presentation, right? Like was sometimes wearing ball gowns and sometimes wearing chaps. Uh, And they were just like, we're not like, we don't know what the right thing to do is. Yeah. Right. This was probably more than 10 years ago at this point. Right. So this was all much newer to the community, I think, than it is now. I think now there, there's much clearer sort of ethos around it. Uh, you know, it was before all of the big throwdowns in the pagan community about tur- Dianic turfs and all of that. You know, it was it was sort of cutting edge. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that happened was that the leader of that affinity yeah. group came to the queer affinity group and said, talk to me about this. Yeah. Help me understand. Like, I need more information about how yeah, to think about this. Yeah. And I think that was such a beautiful example of the queer community being able to be a resource. Uh, you know, because there were 15 queers in one spot. And it was a real tense conversation, to be honest, right? I mean, yes, that's it hard. was very, yeah, it was very difficult. It was, it was very challenging. But it went, I think it went overall. I mean, it, it everybody was open to learning correct right and help us yeah let's guide each other along this process to make it better to grow not just the individual not just the individuals running the affinity or you know in the affinity group but the community help us to understand and they came to a really beautiful place about it and they they got there in a way that wasn't you know the community organizers having to throw it out and be like, well, we're inclusive and people's self-identification is in fact the gold standard. And that's what we're going to go with my friends. Right. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, sometimes you got to do that, but I think that when people can come to it a different way and it doesn't feel like a hammer, right. It feels like, right. You know, I went to these people, I heard their experience that changed my perspective. I feel like Mm -hmm. that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I really agree. And I also think that part of what it feels like to me, and I'm not part of the council that, you know, there's so many people that are working behind the scenes to make it happen in a good way. And I think that's part of what also makes it super high functioning is because you have a lot of folks involved. But it's also, I feel like part of the guiding principle, and I think this is true about life that is helpful, is stopping and saying, What's important? What's important right now? Yeah. And when we answer that in an honest way of what's important, that people feel loved, that they feel included, that they feel seen, that we're taking care of the community, that we're holding safe space, that people can express their needs, intentions, honesty, whatever it is, what's important? And when we do that, when we slow down enough to think collectively about, well, the most important thing here is not 
such and such rule or such and we did it we've always done it this way whatever it is when we stop and say what's important yeah we can come with clarity and really do the right thing i think and i love that um we're a community that listens and and seeks to understand and isn't that what we all seek to do as human beings you know living at a yeah. high level seeking to understand seeking to be of service in the community. This has been a fun conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I, I want to, I'm, I'm yeah. called to add, I need to add something about, that is brilliant, yes, absolutely, and you sparked this thought. Um, one of the things that, when I said earlier, you know, I was, I was raised Jewish, and I, it didn't, what I was being taught at the time did not resonate. What I have learned, and there's a, there is a, it's not a branch, there's just teachings that are now out there, basically. And one of the, one of the things that I've learned is that it is our responsibility as Jews, and this is, for me, this is also the same as, you know, for pagans or witches or, you know, whatever, you know, earth-based traditions, it is our responsibility um, to interpret, to um, not modify, but interpret our traditions, our beliefs for our times. So, for example, in Judaism, there's the Torah, which is read every Saturday at Whatever, and there's commentary that is written about each individual section of the Torah. I thought that shit is set in stone. Ooh, did I? Sorry. That is set in stone, and you can't change it. Well, I come to find out that you the one of the reasons we read the same portion the same week you know, every year, every Saturday, you know, every, is because it's, we can reinterpret it for ourselves or for the community each time. So one of my traditions, one of the things that I do is I read the Torah and I try and look at what is, what I'm reading and interpret it in terms of my life. And then, and I keep journals on it. And I can look back three, four, five years ago and say, oh, where was I during this particular portion? So it's our responsibility to adapt to our times and to continue to bring in, you know, the necessary, like, we're focused on climate change. We have to be focused on, you know, what are the rituals and not just you know, sage and candles, but actually recycling, actually taking an old pair of jeans and turning it into paper, you know, repurposing things. It's not just, you know, it's not just light and candles and whatever, but it's actually taking action. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I I feel like... I feel like taking action is one of the biggest, is one of my biggest uh, values. Um, 
I, I like to see community taking action as a whole. And I also like to see individuals taking action. And I definitely met some really magical, amazing people um, at Bright to Spring, like Orion Foxwood, um, who is a fabulous, amazing queer. I would definitely call him an elder if you're willing to talk. You know, some people are uncomfortable with the elder thing, but I, I'm not. Um, I think um, being an elder just means that they've they got a lot of experience, and I, I'd like to celebrate Um so it doesn't mean we have to do it the way they did it. It just means that we can learn from them because we're smart humans. And uh, so I feel like, um, you know, uh, Orion's uh, meeting people like Orion has is, is been a blessing from the spirit. So I hope, you know, you guys got to know us a little bit and enjoyed the show today. I want to say that Sandy... Griffith, uh, Griffins, sorry, Griffin, wanted to say that I think she she was honoring your beautiful baby there. Um, And Sandy is a great, a great person that likes to watch our show. And (laughs) she also said that she, um, my Sunday is complete when I watch Rainbow Soul. It's taught me better. It's taught me to be a better all around human, which I, I'm like, well, then. (laughs) fabulous Sandy because you just made the whole day worthwhile because that's what it's all about if we can help each other be a better version of ourselves or influence each other or awaken each other well haven't we done something really sweet and I also want to say that my friend Penny Goody want to give her a little shout out another amazing elder Um, and I think by listening to the show, some people can learn, especially if they're open to it, um, and learn about what it feels like to be queer and magical. So um, I want to do a little tarot reading. Ooh, you're in for a treat. Uh, for everyone here today and everyone watching and even those of you that are watching at home, even if you're watching the recorded version of this, this message is still for you. So, um, I'm using the Pride deck. Love is love. And here we go. I'm just going to set them out here. And I'm so glad that I'm I'm already excited about this reading. First of all, it's one of my favorite cards. It's called the Page of Pentacles. And if you look at this person, um, they I appreciate that they're not every character in this deck is perfectly uh, what we would call Hollywood shaped. Um, this person is normally shaped in my world. There's a lot of people that look like this. So I think that's beautiful. And to be a reflection of ourselves. And the Page of Pentacles is about the gifts that we have gotten, that we've received in the past, that we have uh, the, the small gifts that we've given. So 
there's been some gifts that you've received. All of us have received things even during this time where we've had to be separated and social distance. We've all found new gifts like uh, Earth Spirit has found that they get to have people from all over the world. And I love that we get to plug in and meet people and uh, do rain. I get to do Rainbow Soul, right? So there's a lot of beautiful gifts that you've received in this time. Don't forget about those. And the right now is the Ten of Swords, which is also an amazing, beautiful card. Um, and it's a beautiful soul, but she's, you can see that, that what's tearing her heart apart. And this is about what's right now. So allow those things to come forward, whatever is challenging you right now emotionally or whatever's keeping you back or disconnected. Um, let that go and know that we all have, we all have different, you know, ways of expressing ourselves and we all have shadows. We all have things about us that have to go, you know, that, that are keeping us from being our better selves. So whatever that is, embrace it. Know it's there. Know we all have it. Try not to beat yourself up about it. Reach out. There are beautiful um, ways to reach out to me or to other people. Um, and in the future, temperance, balance, this beautiful, what I would call an androgynous looking person pouring fluid into a cup and with the rainbow behind them. And to me, this card is all about balance. And the, the, you know, having a little bit of both and balancing things. So in the future, in the coming days, and between now and the next time we chat, uh, the next Rainbow Soul, you can count on trying to find some balance. That there will be balance in your life. Look for that balance and celebrate. Bring it into your world. You have to welcome it into your world. And that's how it all works. So I just want to say, um, hope you appreciate that. And if you ever, I do professional tarot readings at my website at divineandrogen.com. And we are going to say goodbye. And hold on. <laughs> I think I'm like featured or something. Yeah. All right. So I want to thank you, Hobbit, and thank you, Sarah. Thank you. For coming today and being here. And thank, thank you so much for having much. us. Yeah. Very grateful. It's been an honor. Thank you. And thank you, Brighthoff, for being my co-host, yes. what a perfect co-host. Pleasure, as always, <laughs> so that we could uh, explore community and Beltane. So thank you to all of my viewers, and I hope that you are full of spring energy, that you will find ways to connect online. Um, Earth Spirit's having an online Beltane festival that you can join, and there are lots of other communities as well that you can look out there. 
find a way to connect, my friends. Even online, you can get connected magically. That's what the beautiful gods of the internet do for us. So, all right, my friends. Till next time. Take care. A time of growth. A time of celebration. A time of re-emergence. We gather for our 43rd year to celebrate the sacred earth and the turning of the seasons. This Rites of Spring will be held online from May 26th through the 31st and will feature over 50 workshops, dozens of rituals, musical performances, and many opportunities to connect and share with others. Virtual gatherings offer a unique opportunity for featured presenters to attend from all over the world. We're excited to announce that we'll have programs from Starhawk, Inya Trincuniene, Dolores Ashcroft Nowicki, Byron Ballard, and Andres Corbin Arthen, as well as many other notable Earth Spirit community members. This past year has been difficult for everyone, but our community quickly moved events online and helped us stay connected. Since last March, we've offered three multi-day online gatherings and over 20 additional virtual events. Throughout the year, our attendees have found that our rituals have helped them connect to their land at home. The ritual process that Earth Spirit put together connected me to the place where I live far more in a couple of hours than I had been connected in the previous four years. Veganism is connecting with the land where you are. Where I am as a city and connecting with the land here is really interesting and rich. Being online has allowed people from all over the world to attend events. People aren't always able to come from distance or, or health issues or family or work issues, time, money, and I've enjoyed this growing community. Newcomers have been able to feel the depth of our rituals, even in a virtual setting. Twilight this year, my first Twilight being online, I'm still having insights from that even months and months later. People got real FaceTime. If they just came to Rites of Spring in person, they may have just been lost in the crowd. We found ways to use online tools to help us connect in real and meaningful community interactions. Each and every event that our spirit has pulled together has been, how do we do it with these tools and these technologies? And how do we make people have the closest possible experience to if we were together through these tools and these technologies? And also, how can we get more out of it? And though it can't be a replacement for being together in person, it has helped fill the void that many are feeling. Yes, there's a few things missing. The personal contact you get when you're sitting next to somebody and sharing that space, but... It was the closest thing we could absolutely come to. It felt like I was there with everyone, and that meant a lot. Register and join us for what promises to be an inspirational and joyful rites of spring. Thank you for watching Rainbow Soul, a queer perspective on spirituality beyond religion. We appreciate you sharing the show on your timeline 
follow us on social media of your choice, and join our Facebook group, Rainbow Soul. We want to hear from you. Share your topic ideas for Hollis and Lacrosse. Explore upcoming shows and interesting guests. The Rainbow Soul Facebook group, where we build community of questioning seekers. Rainbow Soul, where spirituality is our medicine.